The Storytime podcast is brought to you by Shoreline Publishing Group, Australia's best independent publishing agents for independent authors. Podfire.com.au, the best goddamn podcast platform on the planet. G'day guys, Brett McCallum here. Today I have Rhett Ogston, indie author, uh, with me via Zoom actually because he's stuck in Melbourne. I'm up here on the sunny Gold Coast. But Rhett's an uh, author of The Eternal Warrior's Smile, A Candid Guide to a Great Life. This book will change everything. Following this inspirational guidance to discover what you will do to transform from a warrior to a warrior. I like that. Red integrates an incredible wealth of knowledge encompassing ancient Eastern healing, academic research, and real-life experience to coach you step-by-step in achieving emotional, financial, and career freedom, attaining purpose and self-confidence, and also having powerful, connected relationships while gaining the knowledge and courage to redefine the optimal version of yourself. This author is a five-time Australian of the Year nominee, holds more than 23 qualifications from degrees to diplomas to accreditations as a practitioner. He's one very qualified human being. Welcome to Storytime, Rhett. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brett. How was my intro? Did I do okay? You did amazing, mate. It's a, it's a very flattering intro, and it was very nice to be introduced in such a caring way. Mate, one of the things that got me there when I was reading through some of your stuff is that you've been a nominee as Australian of the Year. Like, that makes me tingle. How, how, you must be so proud of that. Oh, beyond proud, um, Brett. It's amazing. It was the, the first one came as a complete shock. Uh, I'm not sure who nominated me, but I am incredibly grateful. Uh, it's been five times now. There's one of them proudly displayed in the office. The, the listeners probably can't see it, but on the podcast, on Zoom, you can see it behind me. Yeah. Uh, it really does. It, it it makes all the hard work that I put in, uh, not only for myself, but my team of people around me to have that um, acknowledgement is just fantastic. And it makes me tingle still to this day. Oh, mate, it's one of the uh, one of the biggest honours there possibly can be. The other thing that got me was the amount of qualifications. There's like, I counted 23. I may be wrong. I'm not, I'm not that good at math. But the thing there is everything from degrees and diplomas and accreditations and a practitioner. What do you call yourself? What do you do for a job? Predominantly now, I am a certified flame tree healer. Flame tree is the world's first and only bioenergetic medicine. Uh, it's, a, it's a system that I founded and created in the early 2000s from all of the uh, degrees and the uh, credentials that you were just talking about to the listeners. And obviously, when I pulled all of that information, which is exactly what the Eternal Warrior is based on, uh, all of that went into Flame Tree, and that integrates all of the strengths of every other system on the planet uh, as a priority for when the person needs it. So it achieves amazing results for people. Uh, I do I do that for clients when I can, and I also teach that as well. So in my spare time, uh, obviously from the amount of degrees, I mean, there's a Bachelor of Science with honours from Melbourne University, uh, two degrees from RMIT, two clinical internships undertaken in China when I lived there, uh, a couple of advanced diplomas, number of other certificates. All of that for me was just getting the information that I needed to really passionately get out there and help other people to achieve their optimal life. So we can't specialise in everything. We rely on other people. You know, um, I stripped the head down of my TE 1979 Ford Cortina once and I swore <laughs> I'd never do it again. And I'm, I'm more than happy to pay a mechanic to do that job now and rely on their expertise. So I had an interest that wanted me to specialise in really how to help people. So I've been a, a servant to people for decades now. It brings me the most immense satis- uh, satisfaction when I see someone else living their optimal life and, and to get the thanks 
either directly from the person or in things like the Australian of the Year nomination, again, it's just humbling and it really does make me tingle all over. So it's an inspired life. Mate, one of the things that got me when I was reading through all the literature is that one of the questions that you answer in your book is what if? I love that. I love the fact that your book answers and gives people the power to actually have a crack at life, to actually have a crack at doing things differently. And what you do is different. No matter how you look at it, what you do is different. And that works for you, that works for others. And if you can make people feel better about themselves, be better about themselves and those sort of things, that's an amazing, amazing thing to do. No, Brett, I love that you've taken that away from it. It is absolutely true. That was the biggest thing was seeing people disempowered. It really does. It hurts me on a personal level. And it is absolutely something that, you know, watching people go through life, the inspiration comes from the everyday battlers that get up and are trying to always improve their lot. And for me, it was how can we make it so that this book answers the questions, you know, not just have sage advice from all of the other kind of self-help gurus out there that are saying, you know, if you want a better relationship, choose a better person. I mean, that's that's fantastic, but how? Yeah. Give, give me the knowledge that I need. Give me, give me the step-by-step processes that I need to actually create that change for myself, for my life, so that once I've implemented that change, it happens. And the, the, one of the key things I really wanted to avoid uh, was writing one of those types of book that become what I call shelf help, where people buy it, they read it, they think that's great, they put it on a shelf and they never use it again. And one of the- There's lots of them out there. There are, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I really wanted to avoid that. And one of the principles of Flame Tree was if you're going to have knowledge, you need to convert it to wisdom because it's, as knowledge is not very powerful. The power is not in knowledge. It's when it's applied and becomes wisdom. So everything in this book has actually come from the trials and the tribulations of being in clinic for decades and sharing this message, not only with my clients, but instructing my instructors in Flame Tree about the lessons from this book. And they've taken it to their clientele and they've shared that message. And every single one of those persons has come back and shared with us the amazing results they've had in their life. So the only way that those lessons got in the book was if they were tried and tested. So everything in there has worked. And what that means for any person, as you said at the start, they can read it, they can implement, and they can have a crack. And the best thing about having a crack at it is when you have a win. And for us, it's the four wins. And that's what's inspiring to see people get in there and have another crack and then another crack and so on until they achieve being the eternal warrior and they can smile. So you you also put that you're going to transfer from a warrior to a warrior. I really like that. I can't say it very well, but I do like that, that people worry a lot. And uh, one of the things that brings me into that question is the fact that we're going through a really tough time now in the world. And uh, you're obviously stuck in Melbourne at the moment and, uh, and you're under house arrest. And uh, you, you must be uh, with, your, with your clinic and with your people that you treat, et cetera, and you talk to, how are they dealing with all this? And are you finding that living in this uh, current world we do, that what you're teaching people is actually also going to help them and have an effect on them? Absolutely. It, it really is cometh the hour, cometh the man. And this book is, it, it's amazing. I actually started writing this book approximately 20 years ago. And I remember in um, one of the chapters, I do talk about uh, the effects of living in fear-induced stress and worry. From memory, there's chapter three. And the reason is it is so devitalizing to people to live in that state. And the interesting thing is whatever is going on in the environment, back when I first started writing this book, it was um, the school shootings in America with Columbine and the the horrific incident that that was. 
And I do recall the media in America portraying that if you went and stood on a corner, the corner of two major streets in America and you were a white person, that you would get shot. And uh, Michael Moore did the, the documentary Bowling for Columbine. He did. And yeah. another gentleman, they stood on the corner and what they concluded was that the media was actually hyping it up. They stood there for a good 15 or 20 minutes and what they determined was you're more likely to die from the poor air quality and the pollution than being shot. Yeah. So the, the fear that's getting pumped out, and in, in, that was in 99, I believe, and in 2001 it was the war on terror in America. And now in, you know, in the world and amazingly, unbelievably, in my own state, Victoria, as you were st stating, we're under house lockdown, uh, there's a curfew imposed, the most severe in all peacetime, and people really are buying into the fear and having the worry that it goes along with that fear, and therefore they are actually damaging their health. It scares me that the, um, that those sort of things actually has a, a greater detrimental mental effect on people than what the actual virus they're trying to save you from. Absolutely. And, and, you know, going right along with that is the more fearful you are, the greater your health is affected and therefore the more susceptible you come to opportunistic infections like those caused by viruses. So it, it's part and parcel that you want to absolutely remove those limitations from your belief so that you can start to transform into being a warrior. So you're obviously a very uh, well-versed clinician and you've been doing that for a long time. Not that you look that old, but you, uh, you've been doing that for a long time. What made you want to become an author? Believe it or not, the people around me. It was obviously being a, uh, a research scientist, uh, having completed the honours degree at Melbourne Uni. I had an amazing co-supervisor there by the name of Dr John Underwood, probably one of the smartest men that I've ever met in my life, if not the smartest. Uh, and just the learnings from him was when you do something, you know, do it exceedingly well and then document. So what I was doing as I was going through clinical life with people, you know, documenting their problems, and I had the amazing opportunity to live in different countries around the world. So I lived in China, Fiji, Thailand, uh, Holland. And what I noticed was when you were talking to people, they had the same problems. It didn't matter whether it was in, you know, Nanjing where I lived in China or whether it was on one of the islands of Fiji and you're meeting tourists or wherever you were in the world, even back in Australia, the problems were always very, very similar. Hence, it became exceedingly easy to see that there was a common solution that could be presented to people. So when I started to test that in clinic, it started to work. And then, of course, people were talking in the waiting room and they would say, how did you come up with that strategy? They would say, well, Brett told me about it. They would come in, have that conversation with me. I'd be noting it down. And from that, developed a lot of the material that have gone into the books. So literally, again, if it's been tried and tested, it's in there and it will work for you. So you've obviously taken a lot of notes and you've obviously got potentially a lot more books in you, yeah? What inspires you each day as an author? Not as a clinician, but as an author. Oh, Brett, mate, that's, that's simple. When people come back and they share with us the amazing positive changes they've had, whether it's from reading, people have already got in touch about the Eternal Warrior sharing with us, that it's radically and dramatically transformed their mindset and they are starting to be more of the warrior. They are standing up for themselves. You know, they're fighting back in terms of no more worry, no more fear, and they're achieving more of their optimal self. That just touches you in a way that just inspires you to continue on with exactly what you're doing in life. Um, if people go to the Flame Tree Facebook page, I'll see a young lady talking about the changes that occurred for her from about three or four Flame Tree sessions. And again, all of this work interacts synergistically with everything that we're doing. So that when people come back and they, they give you that thanks, you know, from the bottom of their heart for transforming your life, delivering them exactly what they wanted, it's just humbling, mate. It really That's is. pretty and cool, it, isn't it? 
uh, it's such a pleasure and I just I get to live that every day. I've got shivers now. It's just phenomenal. So I can't thank my clientele enough, our community. You know, they're just amazing people. So it's And the fact that you've actually put that in the written word and obviously as an author, as a, as a published author now, um, <laughs> what you'll find is that that's forever. That's the thing I love about books. I love I, – I was never a reader as a kid, but as an author now – like my written word is in it's there for forever. It's like no one can change that. You've actually documented that, and I, I believe that's actually a, an amazing thing to actually produce and to have. Absolutely, and that was the other factor was you know one on one we can only see so many people in our clinic. We can only help you know obviously a limited number of people. That has a cap to it at some point, and we wanted to go beyond that and to help. You know we had people who were saying clientele that were coming in and saying, look, uh, obviously. I want to help my husband or, you know, my significant other or my mum could use this, you know, is there any way that we can get them to see you? And since we're already booked out for months in advance, it was, well, if we write the book, you know, for the cost of like, you know, $35 or less, you can give them that gift. They can yeah. have that. They've got it for life. And the other part that really was a driving factor is I now have three amazingly beautiful and energetic young boys. And, you know, this is a legacy that I really want them to learn because they learn it from dad each and every day. So Every person is intimately connected. There is nothing altruistic about my actions. If you live optimally, that will indirectly benefit my world. We are all linked together. It is literally from a cellular level. Uh, coming back to what we're talking about with what's going on in the world and the countries, you can literally upscale the biofield and hypothesis theory uh, from, or the stem cell and uh, biofield hypothesis from in the eternal warrior. It goes from the cell to a person, to a suburb, to a state, to a country, to the world. So in terms of consciousness, we want as many people as, as we can get to read the book because it really does start setting you free. And then that has indirect benefit, you know, innumerably measured for all of eternity for people to get into that correct mindset. And in my mind, the absolute best way to fight everything going on now from whatever is going on, whether it be terrorist attacks or the, the consciousness around that to the consciousness of coronavirus is to get rid of the fear. And oh, 100%. Everything is literally in the book. It tells you how to do it. We give you one of the techniques we use in clinic. We introduce you to two or three other strategies in the chapter called Eliminating Fear. It's chapter five. And we, we literally walk you by the hand all the way through to have the candid guide to a great life. So you talk about the four elements of the awakening process in the book. Uh, what are they and how can the average bloke like me embrace these? Uh, quite simply, the awakening process is what you need to go through in relation to anything that would take anything that would take away your power, anything that you've allowed to be integrated into your system that tells you that you are not enough, that you're not skinny enough, that you're not muscular enough or handsome or pretty or anything else that makes you believe that you're less than perfect and that you are less than powerful because every human being on the planet is powerful beyond measure. And again, I get to see that every day in the people we help. So the first step of the awakening process is to realize that if you've got a limiting belief system, that you have, in fact, been conned. You have been hoodwinked. They have fooled you. So the first step is you've been conned. It's that simple. There you go. The point number one. <laughs> point number one. If you realize that's happened, then it's point number two. You need to get angry about it. And anger, unfortunately, in our society or Western society gets a bad rap. Anger is not the problem. The emotion of anger is a very, very healthy and instinctual response. It normally is used as a, all, all emotions in the Redox and applications world are there as a guidance system. They let you know if something's feeling good for you or feeling not good for you, and therefore you can direct your energies where to go. It guides you. So 
if you're feeling anger, it's usually telling you that there's been a boundary that's been violated. So for all the listeners out there, the next time you feel angry, don't sit there and say, I shouldn't be feeling angry. You know, that means I'm not calm and zen or whatever else. It's telling you someone is stepping all over your boundary. Anger is the appropriate emotional response because it's telling you that's enough of that. Time to reinforce your boundary. So if you've been conned or lied, no one wants to be conned. So the appropriate action or the appropriate emotion is, I'm angry about that. Then you need to direct that anger in a healthy manner. Right? There's no punching holes in drywalls when that anger comes up. That's, that's the negative destructive use of anger. The positive one is if you write an amazing song lyric or a poem or you do something that creates a change in the world or you say, that's it, that's never happening again. You know, I'm leaving this domestic abusive, violent relationship. I'm never taking that again or whatever it is that you need to put a stop to. That's step two. Step three is to know your purpose because once you know your purpose, then nothing can ever take you off track again. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you, however many people get in your way to try and obstruct you or anything else that happens. If you know your purpose, you know where you're heading, you've got your destination clear in your mind and you can go there. And the fourth step directly relates to knowing your purpose, which is flexibility. So if you're flexible in your approach and you know where you're going, you can go a little bit off track because it doesn't mean that you're losing the end goal. It means that you're actually taking a sidestep to get closer to your goal, saving energy. And the example I use for that in the book is called the canoe and the paddler analogy. So if you know that your goal is to reach a certain point on the opposite bank of the river and on your way paddling across, you hit a really strong current, rather than fighting that and exhausting yourself and still landing off target from your goal, you can let that current take you downstream a little bit to where it's not so strong, still paddle across, and then you might walk a little bit, but you will always get to your destination. So by being flexible, we save a bit more energy, and therefore, we can go about redefining the belief systems that we have so that we escape that limiting belief system. And one of my favorite parts in the book that sums that up right up early is the flea in the glass jar analogy. So don't be the flea in a glass jar that can jump out. Be the flea that realizes there is no lid and do jump out and set yourself free. Love it. Absolutely love it. So your favorite part of the book, what's your favorite? I know you love the whole book and you love the, the whole journey. What, there has to be one part that you think this is the, this is it. This is a, when you wrote it, you get that tingly feeling of, oh wow, that's I've, I've hit the nail on the head with this one. What would that be in the book? Undoubtedly, uh, beyond any measure, is chapter seven, and chapter seven is literally you, your identity, and how you were formed. And I think it really is, without giving my, myself too much of a self-congratulatory pat on the back. Oh, there's nothing it, wrong with that either. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It is, it is what I believe a very solid lead into potentially a grand unified theory of everything because we take the story of a lung and heart transplant survivor. We talk about the science of major histocompatibility complex in terms of the immune system, the heart, the lung, we look at everything related to Western medicine. We then take a look at the different functions of the Zhangfu organs from traditional Chinese medicine, as well as the Eastern medicine of the chakra system coming from Ayurvedic medicine. And we combine it all into one. And in that we have something that is truly amazing about where people might exist in terms of their soul or their personality. And then not only explaining everything in the context of everything that exists currently, and make postulations and um, proposals on what that means for a person, we then show you how you can easily and quickly transform that instantaneously. And it's fun things like learning that thoughts don't really occur in your head and your personality might not be contained within you. 
boom, mind explosion. That's amazing. That that that's so where where is my personality? Read the book. <laughs> good answer. Very, very good answer. So I look at the cover of your book and I don't know whether it intrigues me, whether it freaks me out. I don't, I, it's, it just grabbed me when I first saw the, the cover of the book. Can you explain to me what that is, how that, be, how that became and uh, why isn't it just a picture of Rhett? Uh, it could be a picture of me. I'm certainly handsome enough to, to make the front cover. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Rumour has it. <laughs> The, um, the the reason for the cover of the book is that it shows the warrior obviously existing as a warrior in a peaceful state. Warrior is not always about fighting things. It is where you don't have to because you already know what you stand for. It is a different state to all of the other proposed self-enlightenment, self-development theories out there. There is a point in time, no matter what that point is, where every one of us will come up against a challenge. And you either worry about it in the low energy state, which is extremely low, or you come from a place which Professor Hawking's, Richard Hawking's, wrote about in Power Versus Force, which is enlightenment, which has the highest measured frequency. So if you're coming from that enlightened place where nothing in your life can ever go back to where it was, then you exist in that state. So there are other books out there, you know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Love it. It's one of my favourite books ever. Yep. there's other numerous ones out there, very similar to that, or, you know, uneffable is another one. Yep. Literally, this puts you in the state where you become rock solid in your life. You know beyond a shadow of doubt who you are, but, of course, in the split second, if who you are is not working for you, you can change that, and then you can become someone else that works better for you, and we should keep evolving. The whole point of nature is that if you don't grow, you die. You have to evolve. And this book allows you to evolve as quick as you possibly can. So the cover reflects that in that there is an, a symbols or a couple of symbols behind that's representative of what's occurring in terms of the energetics of people moving through um, zodiacs. You've got the lady on the front, beautiful colours, obviously existing in a place where you have the bioenergetic field coming off of her. And for people who don't know the bioenergetic field, uh, read the book. It gives a beautiful definition of that. It encompasses everything, again, from Western medical science into traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, obviously having one foot in the scientific camp and one foot as a, as a previously registered doctor of Chinese medicine in my clinical days. Uh, it, I can present both sides and I have a deep understanding of that. And I was extremely fortunate too that all of the science jargon that you would normally expect to come out in these books, uh, one of my team members uh, also did a degree in uh, health promotions so I got them to look over it, and his name is George Dallas. He runs a clinic in uh, St. Kilda. Lovely gentleman. So anyone who wants Chinese medicine or flame freak can look up George. Uh, he's, he's assisted with making sure that everything that went through the book was written in a way that was easy to understand for the reader. So it's a really good point you bring up there is, is the fact that when you're an author, you write lots of words, you've got a team, there's like an editor and there's a publisher, et cetera, and you have a group of people around you that you know, you trust them. I I always look at it like in business that if you go to someone and say, Hey, I've got this great business idea. Oh, that's amazing. They're always going to be positive and say yes. So have you got people around you that say no, or that's wrong or those sort of things? Because I think that's a really important thing to have. How do you deal with, uh, with those sort of things? And is that something that you cover in the book? Absolutely. Yeah. Hearing no is respecting a person's no. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a no. It's quite empowering, actually. And even hearing, having the ability to hear a no and take a no on board is also being a warrior because 
it doesn't mean that you have to try and convince the other person ever. And it really comes down to the deep intrinsic respect of people. And when we're talking about respect, there's a number of different elements where it shows up uh, in the book. The first one is the four other areas that we need or that need to occur in terms of uh, the law of creation. Uh, respect is number four. We need respect for ourselves and for other people. So hearing a no is definitely part and parcel of that. I have my beautiful partner, Gabrielle, around me, and I think her favourite word in relation to my work is no. <laughs> and she's and never, that's a good thing. And it's a good thing. She's <laughs> never afraid to throw a no out there. Um, she's, a, she's a beautiful naturopath. She creates organic luxe products from the Giovanna range. So if anyone's after some amazing um, maternal teas or some really beautiful organic luxe products for baths or the bathroom, then they can check up check out Gabrielle's work in Giovanna. I give her certainly the same amount of no's when we're collaborating on projects. Uh, we did have a crossover project between the ROAs of the ProMemo range and some of her teas, uh, and that's led to some remarkable products. Uh, like I said, I, I really, I've got, I've got two special people in my team, George and my partner, Gabrielle, and they're both amazing. They both say no when they need to. We've had lots of amazing conversations over the years, and I'm just incredibly blessed that I have such amazing people around to, to contribute to making sure that this book becomes for the reader such an amazing life inspirational tool. Well, I haven't read the book completely yet. It is on my list and I am definitely going to get through that. I, uh, everything you've spoke about today uh, really inspires me and, and makes me want to uh, read, read through the book. So podcast, well done. So what's next for Rhett? Well, amazingly, this is the first book in a suite of four. Okay. What's the so next book? The, we had, uh, when I was in grade six, I wrote a children's book. The idea came from my mother, whose name is Talia. And a few years ago, I think around 2014, I decided that as a bit of a lark that I would get the book published uh, as a Mother's Day gift. And it was through a different publishing company. Uh, they put it as a chief bestseller list on their website. So I get to say to mum, happy Mother's Day. You're now a international best-selling illustrated children's book <laughs> co-author. So that was brilliant and a bit of fun. Uh, that book's out there. We've published a couple other books, usually workbooks. For There's a, a technique I've created called Universal Emotional Freedom Technique. There's a workbook that goes with that. It's available at redogston.com for anyone who wants to learn what I think is the advancement of EFT. Uh, we have another course there called Memo, uh, Mind Enhancement Memory Optimization. There's an accompanying book for that one as well. And, of course, the Promemo book, which has been published and available so those are already out there and we're committed to teaching people and sharing that message with them along with Flame Tree, uh, again, at redogston.com. And next is finishing the suite of books that The Eternal Warrior has started. So the next book from there will be From Full to Overflowing because once you are the warrior and you know how to stand your ground, of course, what do you want? You want more of everything. So we're of talking course. about having more money, more love, more amazing relationships. And we start, The Eternal Warrior starts that with the eight tenants of a relationship and redefines what love is so that you can redefine it for yourself and therefore have more of it. Once you've got more, we want more abundance of everything. So that's from full to overflowing. Uh, that leads into the next book, which obviously is my key area of interest, which is health. Uh, that's called Real Health and it's a system that needs an overhaul. It discusses Western medicine, the current system, uh, what could be some improvements. And again, taking the warrior mindset is we offer all the solutions for that rather than just discussing problems. And the final book is The Golden Ring, which is all about having an advanced consciousness. Uh, it takes a, a deep dive into things like Robert Lanza's biocentrism, where 
uh, things don't really exist unless they're perceived in the mind of the perceiver. But we actually talk about consciousness and how it relates to your world and how you can use that to have literally an award-winning consciousness to use the law of creation, which we introduced in the Eternal Warrior Smile, to literally create anything that you want in the universe. You're going to be a very, very busy man. It's, it's always busy here. The two dogs, <laughs> the, the three boys, multiple business streams, an amazing partner, a great team. We are always on top of it, doing as much as we can. And they're, they're all locked in the one house at the moment. We are, we are. And it just shows how amazing we are because it really hasn't changed anything. And there is so much deep love, respect and gratitude to my family for their inspiration to continue doing what we're doing. And obviously it benefits them indirectly too. So our goal is to let as many people as we can get to read this book, to understand it, to implement the knowledge into wisdom and to start living optimally and living purposefully. Well, Red, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate your time on Storytime. Thanks for letting us know a bit more about you, obviously a lot more about the book and The Eternal Warrior's Smile, A Candid Guide to a Great Life, the first in a, not a trilogy, a quadrilogy. Wait, yeah, quadrilogy. Quadrilogy, let's, yeah, let's, let's use that word. I'll make that one up. But anyway, Rhett Ogston, R-H-E-T-T-O-G-S-T-O-N.com. Is that right? Absolutely correct. Excellent. Thanks, Rhett. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Pleasure being here. Cheers, mate.